This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Tailgate The scriptures reading from the book of months in Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what children face Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and last thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And, and Boss, we're going to have to ask the listeners to forgive us a little bit today. As you can already tell, uh, my voice is not in game shape after how ruckus we were on Saturday night in Charlotte. And I think you're kind of in the same boat as I am, so... Listeners going to have to hang with us on this one a little bit as we try and recap a monster start to the season. Yeah, folks, uh, Charlotte was electric. Our voices are gone. There were several points in the game where we had to scream at each other just so we could hear each other. And I, what an electric start to the season. Uh, that was a defensive performance for the ages. I, I mean, we're just going to jump right in. I mean, let's just talk about the game. I mean, we can talk about the atmosphere for two hours if we want to, but let's talk about the game. Yeah, so let's talk about, obviously, the defense. Um, we had talked about this on our preview episode with Jamie last week that we thought the defense was the unit that had kind of been forgotten, right? Wasn't really getting talked about a lot. Wasn't really getting said one way or the other about them as a unit everything was about the offense about x y and z who was going to be missing homie that defense came out and was about as dominant as we've seen a georgia defense i i really don't even know the last time when maybe in stretches they've looked like that um but as a unit they looked um so tight so cohesive i thought nicobe dean not only played a magnificent game and looked very reminiscent of the Montezuma missile, Roquan Smith, but also functioned like the general of that defense all night. Uh, there was a particular play that we noticed in stadium where he was freaking out because people were out of position and he was going nuts trying to get everybody aligned correctly and get everybody square. He was audible in, into different defenses all night, um, just about as locked in as you could be. And the unit as a whole responded. I mean, seven sacks, uh, countless pressures on DJ Ungalele, um, affected the game all night, affected the tempo all night, affected the pace all night. Uh, and then obviously Chris Smith with the play of the decade, if not the century, picking that ball off and taking it to the house in the second quarter and changing the game around. So a lot to, lot to kind of pick apart within that, but I know your feelings are kind of the same on the defense. I, I mean, from our perspective in our seats Saturday night, how fast and ferocious did you think they looked? Every single play that he dropped back to pass, he was affected within less than three seconds. And the couple of times that he wasn't, he had chunk plays. They, I mean, he only had three chunk plays, but he was. A, their game plan was very similar to our game plan, get the ball out quick. 
no, neither team other than the one play down. It was for us. We were on the Georgia sideline. So it was down the sideline we were on. He had that chunk play to Nagata, which was the only ball. I think that traveled 20 yards in the air all game for either team that he, that I think for went for around 28 yards, give or take. I think that was in late in the third quarter. I mean, that, that might've been on their the drive. They got the field goal either not, or it ended up in no points and they got the field goal, like one of the next drives after, but, but other than that, one particular play, every play was, he was pretty much running for his life all game or he was down quick. And I think Clemson with their lack of depth at quarterback is very hesitant to run him. And I think that's going to affect them all season. And I mean, let's, let's talk about it. The running game was just non-existent. We can talk about the two yards because the sacks go into a factor, but their actual running backs and their running game was non-existent all game. Their longest rush might've been seven yards. And that was DJ on a quarterback draw. Their running backs were just dump trucked all game. You could tell too that Tony Elliott's plan did not include the running game. It was just a no. look. We're, we're going to mix this in, maybe once every six or seven plays. But DJ, we're going to have to hang it on you. And look, man, I thought he played pretty admirably, to be honest. I mean, given what he had to deal with, I, I was a little surprised because they had what four starters returning on their offensive line. So I thought they might handle the pressure better. But I, I really do, brother. I think it's a testament to how strong and deep George's front seven is and is going to be all season. Um, Channing Tindall flashed all night. Uh, Quay Walker flashed at times. Nakobe obviously was Nakobe. Nolan Smith got started early with the first sack of the game. Adam Anderson had a sack. Trayvon Walker looked great all night. Jalen Carter looked great. Devontae Wyatt lived up to the billing that Jim Nagy's been pumping on the Senior Bowl Twitter about how freakish of an athlete he is. Um, and then big JD, I mean, just a tone setter and space eater all night. They just were locked in. And look, we talked about this at the game. I probably told you 15 times. You're probably so sick of me saying it, but for me, I know Chris Smith had the game change in play and it will be a play that is replayed one bajillion times. Georgia fans will never, ever forgetting. They'll always love Christopher Smith, but player of the game for me on defense who has not gotten talked about is Latavius Brady. Latavius Brady. Yeah. Yes, he was magnificent all night. We heard conflicting reports about whether or not he had actually won the job straight up over Tyke Smith before Tyke was injured. But let me tell you, if he played anything in fall camp like he did on Saturday night, it would not surprise me one bit if that was already his job anyways. He was fantastic, picked up right where he left off in the Peach Bowl, Um if he develops and stays consistent like that throughout the season, that defense is going to be unbelievable all year long because he is a piece I think folks were not counting on. We talked about this a bunch. We knew Lewis Seen was going to show out. He had, a, he had a Lewis Seen game, right? He is just as consistent and steady as you can be. Made some great plays. He had the pass breakup at the end of the game before the fourth and five, remember? Yeah, uh, on the slant. Play- on the slant that would have been a first down. I mean, Lewis, I think, led the team in tackles. He had a fantastic night. We knew that would happen. Same with Nakobe. We knew he would be great. We knew J.D. would be great. Christopher Smith makes the play of the game. We knew he would be great based off of his reps last year. Uh, thought Darion Kendrick in his first game as a dog really showed out. He was locked in all night, had great coverage. 
I also love, did you notice that he had a lot of good energy all night too? Obviously he yeah. was fired up and his body language was good. I mean, he was, he was ready to go. And then our question mark that we've had all summer was who was going to play that other corner spot. And Amir Speed and Keely Ringo both got run. And we talked about this driving back yesterday. I think they both played pretty well. Uh, Keely obviously had the two PI penalties, but like Amir had one about, too. Yeah. I don't think any of those were because they were like cooked or anything. You know, the one on Keely in the end zone, he was right there. And I think he just, his momentum got the best of him a little bit and they kind of tumbled together, which I don't even know if that was a catchable ball, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I didn't Both. think any of those PIs were like, oh God, they got burned so bad. They had to grab somebody's jersey or something. It was, they were step for step. It was just physicality, I think. So I, I didn't really have any problem with it. Well, also, let's not take, let, let's also give the staff credit too, because we've heard a lot about Dan Jackson in the offseason. And we just thought it was, oh, they're giving credit to a walk on who's playing really well, but we did not expect to see him. He played a lot. A lot. Yeah. And he, he sure was, did. He played really well. Like, yep. you know, for a walk on in that type of magnitude, and you, he made no, zero mistakes. Yeah. I mean, that was huge. I mean, he was the six DB all night, and we ran dime a lot. Yeah, he played a bunch, and he he equipped himself very, very well, which in all honesty was very similar to how he performed at G-Day. Obviously, you always try to take G-Day with a grain of salt, but and obviously the game speed Saturday night was way different. Um, I do want to point that out because I don't know how this translated on TV. I don't think you nor I have watched the TV copy yet, but at the game, I was – Shocked is the wrong word, but let's just say Clemson's defense stood out to me more than I expected they would. Their speed and their ability to close was much better than I thought it would be. I thought we would get some more vertical shots and have some more plays in space. They took a lot of that away. Give Brent Venables a ton of credit for the game he called Saturday yeah. night. Also, brother, that Brian Breesy, he is real. Top five pick. He Top is real, homie. And I will say this, too. I would not have given him this shine prior to the game, but James Skowski was all over the football field Saturday night. He was. Yeah, sideline so to sideline. It was impressive. I was – uh, look, we and we talked about this, too. Georgia was obviously not playing with a full cupboard, right? A lot of their impact guys didn't play, so who knows what things look like if those guys get to play and the dynamics are a little bit different. We will talk later about the effect injuries had on guys that did actually play but came in dinged up um, and how that may or may not have affected the offensive game plan. But regardless, I think credit should be given where credit's due, and that Clemson defense deserves a ton of credit. We, we all talked about this after the game. I will be surprised if they don't run the ACC. A, the ACC is not very good as exhibited by the losses this past weekend and the folks that they lost to. But I just think Clemson is a very good football team. Sideline pregame, they look like a championship roster from a size and physicality perspective. I thought the speed flashed all night on the field. They're going to have to find some answers offensively, I think, because to your point – they can't have DJ go down, so they're not going to be able to just have have him carry them. But it may get to that point where Tony Elliott doesn't have any other choice, right? Like, DJ may have to be a guy that is touching the rock 60 plays a game, including 
planned runs for him. I just I don't know if their offense will work otherwise. I do think that Nagata kid is real. I mean, he had oh, a couple yeah. of catches Saturday night that were strong hands, you know, high point, like great plays. And, you know, we we were walking home Saturday night after the game. And there was a couple of Clemson fans behind us. And this Clemson fan was bitching about DJ and saying he stunk. And they were moaning about if they'd had Chase Bryce, they would have won the game. And my brother at the crosswalk, like, tells the guy, look, man, I'm just telling you, I think the kid's really good and I think he's real. And this Clemson fan's like, I have a really high football IQ. I'm super intelligent about football and he stinks. And so we're like, all right, yeah, whatever. Go have a good night. But dude, DJ's good. He made throws Saturday night, given the pressure that George was putting on him that I don't think five other guys in the country could make. Like, and It's his third start. It's his third well, start. Dude, I'm just saying – I think the physical talents there, I thought he was super composed all night, even though he was dealing with a lot of the pressure. And Kirby even said something in the postgame about, look, I think our pressure gave him problems. And he had difficulty setting his eyes downfield after we hurried him at the beginning of the game. And I do want to talk about that. I thought that was really important, the way the defense came out and set the tone. Three out of Clemson's first four drives were three and outs. Even on the one that wasn't a three and out, they never looked – right it was super disjointed pressure was there all night um and i just thought it kind of set the tone and got dj off early off schedule and it paid dividends all night long um well uh, i want to talk to you about speaking of those first um four drives the fourth drive clemson ended up fourth and eight it was another three and out georgia gets a big stop late in the second quarter at about the five and a half minute mark Clemson's on their own 16 punting. Um, George is looking to get the ball at midfield. Clemson's punter, Will Spires, gets off a horrendous punt. It dabbles down at about the 50. Kiaris decides not to field it. We could see him on the field waving to get away and look like he was trying to do, you know, Peter, 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 to get everybody away. Um, unfortunately, it was so loud there, there's probably no way the guys could hear him. The ball – unluckily dings off Kendall's foot and Clemson gets the ball at midfield. And we were thinking in the stands, damn, like this is going to be something where we didn't do anything wrong. And now Clemson is going to get great field position, get some points on the board before the half and then get the ball back to start the second half. The swing drives. Yeah. And then the five plays after that are what turned the game. I mean, Clemson got a first down, something like a, I don't know, 12 or 13 yard, pass completion and they were down to like the 30 with third and four so they're looking at a third and manageable they're either gonna have to get a first down or if they don't get the first down they've got a makeable field goal attempt to go up three nothing and have momentum after georgia has absolutely dominated the half right and i think it would have been a big wind suck out of the stadium and maybe out of the sideline as well and then we saw what happened and i just want to set this up because from From the stadium view, again, I don't know how it looked on TV. I don't know what the angles were. But from the stadium view, it looked like the way the coverage was set up, and I think they dropped into some type of zone, and they were bringing pressure from the arm side. But Chris Smith essentially had to monitor. Christopher Smith had to monitor Justin Ross in the slot. He was on the hash, working the right hash. He runs like a quick slant. And I'm just telling you from where we were sitting, 
if he catches that ball and or if Chris Smith doesn't make the play he does and or tackle Justin Ross, Justin Ross walks into the end zone. There was nobody within 20 yards of him. It was all green space. So it was the right throw and the right read. Christopher Smith comes under inside leverage and makes one of the better defensive plays I have ever seen as a Georgia fan. I mean, not only did he make a clean catch on it, first off, did it look like he knew where it was going? It looked like he knew that was the hot call. It looked like he knew what the positioning was going to be. He read the eyes and you can see him creeping down on the replays, right? Yep. He pick, he picks that thing clean and then it was a foot race and it was all over cuz DJ's a hell of an athlete, but that 250 pounds of beef wouldn't catch him Christopher Smith. I mean, he looked like he had a rocket up his ass. He was going so fast. So House call for six. You talk about the ultimate pendulum of emotions. I mean, brother, we were, I would say, in despair after that play on the punt. And then you go from that to just absolute delight on that pick six. And have you ever been in a stadium? I'm sure maybe as loud, but I don't think I've ever been in a stadium that was louder in that moment when he hit the goal line. I've had one other moment that was louder. 2011, when Bakari Rambo picked off the, whoever the Auburn quarterback was and returned it, pick the pick six, and I was in that end zone. He was coming right at me. That yeah. was the loudest I'd ever heard Sanford. I mean, that was, I mean, that was a long time ago, but that was the loudest moment I've ever had. That definitely in Charlotte was the second loudest. And if that was a home game, I think that would have eclipsed it. But that being a pretty neutral crowd, I mean, and also before we continue, let's give a shout out to the crowd. I mean, the crowd was yes. electric all night loud and it was not close and before we continue we got to talk about the guy that was behind us we had the spirit of hacksaw jim duggan behind us screaming every defensive play he has the lungs of an opera singer she sure did brother and let me tell you something he was hit I mean, dude, he, if that was not Hacksaw Jim Duggan behind us, then they got to be first cousins. Like, <laughs> I mean, oh, like all night long, like we were peeking back trying to see if he was carrying a two by four back there. Like I, I could have <laughs> swore our boy was coming hot with the heat. Like, yeah, he was, uh, he was something baby. So yeah. Every <laughs> play, every, every play. play. It was impressive. Yeah. That's boy Hacksaw. Capacity. Hey, but look, he was on he was on the right side. At least he was cheering for the dogs. But God, we were yeah, dying laughing exactly. all night. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have to. Yeah, he was he was something else for sure. So yeah, we had we had an interesting group that was sitting like in front of us and behind us. So there was there was a lot of in game entertainment. Also, can we talk about awesome that the dogs were on national TV? And for everybody watching at home, I'm sure you felt it too. But folks. Three minutes and five seconds, every single stoppage of play for the oh, commercial break. I mean, brutal. I, in some ways, it did feel like it affected the game because it just looked like nobody could kind of get in any rhythm because there was no real game flow, which I do think benefited Georgia's defense and probably Clemson's defense too, because I think it allowed both of them to stay fresh. I mean, dude, you're essentially getting a timeout like every possession. Like, yeah, especially in the first quarter, Georgia had the ball 12 and a half minutes. Yeah. Three minutes and five seconds every commercial break. I mean, it was bananas. So that was that was interesting. I mean, they kicked at what, like 750-ish or something? I mean, it was not a yeah, 730 like, kickoff. No. 
can we talk about too the pregame atmosphere? Like oh, the guy, the the guys wow. parachuting in to deliver the flag. Like that yep. was awesome. Um, and then Josh Turner with a stirring baritone rendition of the Star Spangled Banner just to set the tone. And then Georgia's intro video, which we posted on our Instagram, and it's so long we had to post it as like a you know IGTV thing, but it's a minute and 40 seconds. And if you weren't at the game, you should give it a look uh, on our Instagram Chills. because it yeah, it's awesome. Jake Fromm narrated it. It was really, really well done. Um, yeah, it was it was just a, a sweet, sweet entrance that they came out to and kind of set the tone, I think, from an atmosphere perspective for the Georgia side as well. Charlotte did a good job for both sides, though. I mean, they did they did stuff throughout the game that made it feel like a home game for both teams. They did things like, I mean, they played Bob O'Reilly and we did light up Sanford at the at the four, beginning of the fourth quarter. Like we yep. did, they did things that were traditions at both home stadiums for neutral side. I thought Charlotte did. Charlotte was a great host stadium. I know. I mean, all I've seen all day on Twitter is how people are talking about how they they hope they never play a game because the traffic was so atrocious. Because who cares yeah. about the traffic? Who cares? Honestly, it. I, I was there watching football game. I mean, if traffic sucks, it sucks. Get over it. Yeah, I, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. I think the Charlotte Sports Foundation, the folks that work with the Duke's Mayo Classic directly, which they partner with Charlotte Sports Foundation uh, and Duke's Mayonnaise, they all did a phenomenal job. First off, the new field turf and the way they had it painted, it looked mint. Uh, the backdrop on that stadium with the skyline in the back and the big buildings lit up was awesome. The weather was perfect, perfect. all day Saturday and Saturday night. There was even a little fall crispness to it at times. I mean, it was a living, breathing embodiment of college football that night. Um, full stands. I thought everyone that you interacted with at the stadium was very nice. Um, yeah, I, it was Bank of America Stadium was a phenomenal host. Charlotte Sports Foundation was a phenomenal host. Duke's Mayo Classic and Duke's Mayonnaise were phenomenal hosts. It was a great, great event. Um, and from what we've heard, it looked great on TV and sounded loud on TV. So you love hearing that. The ratings were good. I think it came out today. They carried something like 8 million viewers. I think it is the third most watched game, I don't know, in like the last five years. I think they said second. I think they, I think they said second. Yeah, I, I think they said it would have been top three last season. I think Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama, Georgia were bigger numbers last year. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but still, 8 million folks watching a game on yeah. Saturday night is a big number. Um, and from a brand perspective, it's great for the dogs, right? They, they had a really, really great performance on national TV, and that's always good for the brand. Um, well, let's talk about a little bit about our uh, fortuitous week. So we had been planning to go to this game for a really long time. Uh, we bought our tickets back in June through Ticketmaster. And uh, when Duke's Mayonnaise and Charlotte Sports Foundation did their neutral release for both sets of fans, and we just bought tickets where we wanted to sit, right? Like we found where we wanted to sit. We just got our tickets. We didn't really know anything else. And then Tuesday, we lo and behold get an email saying, hey, thanks for purchasing your tickets, and here are your instructions to pick up your field passes. So I got the email, and I called Boss and my brother, who went to the game with us, Uncle Chris, on conference call, and I am just slow playing the shit out of this whole thing, like acting like something was going to happen. Like they both thought that 
Charlotte had instituted like half capacity for the game and our seats didn't get picked in the lottery. So we weren't going to get to go. And I like slow played, read him the email and then just gave him a boisterous field passes when I hit that, that spot in the note and we all just lost our shit. We were so excited about it, but what was, uh, I'll let you go. What, what was the, give me your start to finish pregame sideline experience. We get down there. We got down there. What? 540. We could get down there at 530. We got down there at 540. Uh, a couple come Clemson players out there. I mean, the field was beautiful. I mean, you could, you could sleep on it. Yeah. It was, it was nice, luscious, soft equipment guys are out there for Georgia. Then rest of the Clemson team starts coming out. They came out really early, really early, really, really early. Then you start seeing, you know, Kirby comes out and he's like in full suit, like, you know, just locked in. Didn't even see him like really acknowledge anyone except for he acknowledged DJ. Yeah. Do that for like a second. Then he comes out, just kind of like looks around, goes back in the locker room. And then it's just kind of like slowly filled up and it got exponentially better the longer we were there. We got to stay down there till about 7.05. We pro- were supposed to leave at 7. And they yeah. had to literally kick us off because we did not want to leave. Then as the players started to come out, we got to see like, you know, JT Daniels up close, all the quarterbacks warm up up close, all the specialists warm up up close. Um, the entire team got to come out, come out of the tunnel warming up. Um, Champ Bailey was on the sideline. Uh, I got, I'm uh, Malik Herring. We got Charles Moore. Johnson. Charles Johnson, Malik Herring walked past and were like, did not realize how tall he was. Like, you just yeah. don't realize it. He, I mean, he's very, and how, I mean, God, I hope he has a big year. I hope he may, I hope he makes the 53 and I hope he has a big year in Kansas City. Yeah. But uh, we, we've been, we were big Malik guys. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know, we love Malik. You got to, you met Kane Brown, you know, right before we yeah. got up. So, I mean, yeah. I, it was just, it was awesome beginning to the day. And then, you know, the game, went perfect and we won and it, overall the experience was great but the the field passes were just the icing on the cake yeah it really was man and it's uh my I, I would say my three big takeaways well first off let's just start awesome to see our guys the people snappers oh yeah Payne Walker William Mo got to see them early they were out there snapping darts all through pregame um so that was awesome getting to see them kind of put their work in and get ready for the game. And they both had good games, clean snaps all night. So that was great. And I heard or saw on Twitter or something, I think William must have got some uh, some airtime on, on ABC Saturday night. And I think he was getting ribbed a little bit about that. So I'll have to check the TV copy to see. I don't know if he, like, made a tackle or made a block or something, but apparently he got some airtime on Saturday night. So I have to check that out, but love it when snappers get some love. And then dude, Clemson's long snapper had the freaking fumble recovery on the muffin punt. So snappers everywhere. We love that straw that stirs the special teams drink hashtag. Um, (laughs) But so love, love that. Love seeing those boys was happy. They did great. And they're going to have great seasons. We're so excited for them. And then, um, yeah, man, I, I thought it was neat. You know, we were standing by the uh, tent, and Nakobe was in the tent getting his ankles wrapped. So, like, we were two feet from Nakobe getting his ankles wrapped. He's just kind of hanging out, getting wrapped, and dude Malik walked by, and Nakobe's like, "Leak," and kind of called him over, and they dapped up. And it, I would bet you, like, we saw ten guys go out of their way to go over and see Malik pregame. And I just thought that was cool, man. You could tell how respected he was, and how much guys loved him and we're happy to see him and that was cool to see man because like we wouldn't have seen that otherwise so love yeah. that 
Thomas Davis was very present. He was rocking a Georgia number one basketball jersey. Just, yep. just looking so fired up to be there. So that was cool. He hung out and talked with Kirby a little bit. Um, Kirby's family was on the field. I'm pretty sure his wife, kids, and I think that was his brother that was down there too um, on the sideline pregame. So he came over and took pictures with them and hung with them. And he was talking with TD. And that was fun to kind of watch all the former players be there and be jacked up and excited about it. Um, yeah, Champ was there. You talked about that. I mean, he looks like he still play. Um, all right. The other thing we got to talk about is Darnell came out. We got to talk about Darnell. Yes. Like, <laughs> he is an absolute T-Rex. Like, I mean, unit. He is just a unit. Like, he came out, and I, I took probably seven different pictures of him trying to get one that actually did him justice. I mean, he is just a large American. And, like, it, I couldn't get over it. Like, when he comes back and he's healthy and he has pads on, you talk about a field tilter. Like, holy hellfire. He, he, doesn't, he looks like a cartoon character. It's like somebody drew him. He's not, he's not real life. That's I'll just put it that way. So that was cool. And then dude, JD's the same way. JD came out and like, first off, I thought he looked good. He looked cut up. Like he looked spelt and I thought he looked real light on his feet in pregame. And that continued into the game. Like he was, he looked good. Um, the other one was uh, Brock Vandegrift looked real. Like he was just, throwing darts number one but he looked like an nfl quarterback like i'm talking body build all of it like he just looked like the real deal plus yeah he, he's got the boss hair going now i mean he's your he's your brother in locks when it comes to that nice lettuce like he's just got it flowing and he's rocking the beard now like your favorite co-host so we you know mm -hmm. we love that we're te team beard for sure so yeah he, he looked electric um yeah, man, I'm with you. Like, I, I just thought it was an awesome experience. I thought the, the, the turf was super surprising. It was cool to be on the surface and kind of feel the bounce of the new field turf. It's just unreal to me how far they've come. Like, we've played on different variations of turf over the years, and that was, that was the best yeah, turf no. surface I've ever been on. And I'm going to tell you, when I was working for the Redskins, we worked, um, we worked a game in Charlotte at that stadium, and I thought they had a beautiful – uh, natural surface. It's the nicest natural surface I'd been on outside of when we worked the Super Bowl in Miami. And that was the best surface I've ever been on. Um, so I, I thought Charlotte had a great natural surface before. I think it was a business decision though, right? Like they want to hold concerts. They want to do multi multiple yeah. events. Like it's a smart decision. Um, so yeah. And I thought it held up great. Everything about the field passes was absolutely awesome. And it was also cool because we got to see the injured players warm up and Dom looks so close. So, so close, close to be so close to be back. He's still wearing the full knee brace, and I'm pretty sure they want to get him back to where he's only in the sleeve before he they're gonna have him out there. But he's got a slight limp, but he looks he looks so close. He was um with the punt returners doing stuff like that. He wasn't running routes, but he was with the punt returners and he was cutting a little bit. So that's that's good. He's not just running straight lines anymore. So Dude, how antsy did he look? Oh my god, he wants to get out there so bad. I mean, he hasn't so played bad. He hasn't played since the SEC championship in um, 19. 19, yeah. So he wants he to get out there so bad. So and bad. We, it's not like we couldn't have used him on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So let's yeah, get well, into that. I mean, let's get into the offense. We haven't really talked about it yet. Yeah, so first off, I think we need to caveat all this with, I think everything went sort of how we expected from a use 
um, from a use piece, right? Like the guys that they used, we weren't surprised about except Kyrus Jackson. Kyrus Jackson. That's the one we were – I think we all thought he was going to play more. And when I say we all, I mean like the three of us. We thought he yeah. was going to play a bunch. He warmed up all night. He was returning kicks. But then Kirby came out in the post game and just said, you know, he's just – he's not able to cut yet. Like he's not – He's not quite there yet and able to do the things we need him to do out of the wide receiver position. And, man, I thought he was missed. I mean, look, he's the leading receiver from last season, and he's a senior leader, and I thought he was missed terribly. And this is no shot against Lad McConkey, but Lad McConkey shouldn't be getting that much run, right? He just shouldn't be. And he got a ton of run on Saturday night. So I thought that was – we missed Kiaris a ton offensively. The other piece of it was – Jermaine was obviously not 100%. I'm not saying he's not healthy. I'm just saying he wasn't ready to go. And he, he didn't play full snaps. And even when he was out there, he just didn't have that burst. And we got a little bit of insight into that today. Kirby had his Monday press conference, and he said, look, out of our 42 practices we've had in 2021 between spring and fall, Jermaine's maybe participated in 10 of them. He's just not in game shape. He's like, and we're working with him. He's done everything we've asked him in rehab, all this stuff, but he's just not in game shape right now. And let me tell you, you could tell, I mean, yeah. he didn't flash at all, all night. I would not have even known he was on the field if I wasn't looking for him. Right. I mean, he just was a non-factor. Uh, and, and I'll be honest about this too. They obviously missed Jermaine and Kyrus in the passing game, especially vertically and getting into the intermediate and deep passing game. But the big one for me, brother, was blocking. They are both adept run blockers. And to not have really either one of them for the full capacity of the game, I thought it mattered. Um, I thought Marcus looked good. I thought he looked healthy. And he was very engaged. And I think I think him and JT are going to have some, some good chemistry this year. Uh, dude, I, the thing that jumped out for me offensively, Brock Bowers and JT were locked in together. Brock had seven yep. catches. I mean, eight. they went to him. Eight. They went to him early and often. I mean, he he was a he was a piece of the offense. So that was great to see because that's just another weapon they're developing in early reps in a big time game. True freshman. I mean, yeah, that was that was great to see. Thought the running backs all looked good. I thought the stable looked fresh. I thought having the ability to rotate all four of them. I'm just going to have to get on my bus right now and drive it for a minute. My boy, Kenny McIntosh, looking excellent. I mean, you know how you, I love when they feed number six. So I was fired up for him to get a couple runs, had a nice run where he hurdled a couple guys, just looking electric like he always does. Can we talk about Zeus absolutely murdering somebody on social media post game? Yeah, I was going to get to that. And that was on that the play the play that they, he took the, the picture from is the last play. They got the first down that sealed it. Yeah. And – it makes me wonder what they were saying to him. Because let's not forget, Zeus had two fumbles in that game. One was a play sure that did. was blown dead. One was a play that was blown dead um, prior to the snap for a false start. Clemson yep. recovered that one. The second yep. one was, a, was, I think, a third down play where he got the first down, got just leveled, and it, it fell right back onto him, and he fell on it. Correct. That's correct. So it makes me wonder what they were saying to him. Because Zeus is a silent leader. He does yeah. not talk. And so something had to have been said for him to talk, to say something. And the person he ran over, I'm pretty sure was Andrew Booth. Yeah. I think that's I'm right. almost positive. That's Andrew Booth in that picture. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that he posted it. That's just not, that's I not him. Know. That's not his person. Not him. But well, let me so, tell you, there's, but that shows there's you how a dead body. He is. 
there's a dead body somewhere on social media. <laughs> I but mean, I, the all, the running backs, all running backs look good. I I said this all throughout the game. I thought Kendall looked the best running the ball. I think Kenny's the purest runner out of all them, but I think Kendall looked the best running the ball early in the game. And I think Zeus is the closer. I Zeus though that last drive reminded me of Gurley in 14. Every drive when we were trying to close out a game, we just fed Gurley. Every that last drive was Gurley-esque. Just and they knew we were going to do it and they could not stop him. I do want to talk about that because look, the offense has gotten hammered since the final whistle blew Saturday night about oh, it's same old Georgia offense, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, nobody gives any perspective as usual on anything. So nobody talked about the fact that so many guys were out and they still go out and beat the number three team in the country. But that's neither here nor there. I'm not even going to get into that because that will just irritate me. This is what I took away, okay? The offense gets the ball back with four-plus minutes left, and everybody and their mama all throughout the stadium and all throughout America watching on ABC knows – what George is going to do. We're lining up 11 on 11. We're going to run the football, try to bleed clock, have you burn your timeouts, take the air out of the football, and hopefully end this ball game. right? Everybody knows what's coming, especially Clemson's defense and Brent Bettemans. And you know what? It didn't matter one damn bit. They lined up and ran it down their throat for that last four minutes, ran the clock out, and victory formation their ass straight out of Charlotte. And, dude, that is what a championship team does. And so that was a huge takeaway for me. I, I, I loved that. And you pair that moxie with what we're seeing on the defensive side. And this is the other thing that we can't quantify. And we talked about this leading into the season. Tell me that team doesn't like each other from what we saw in pregame and during the game, the vibe oh, on they, the sideline. Yeah. They love each other. They love, love each and- other. As soon as Zeus got that first down, did you see JT's reaction? He went nuts. He could give two shits about his stat line. All he cared about was the W. Yep. He does not care about that stuff. And makes me love him even more. And it's going to make – proves how much of a leader he really is. Yeah. that I just thought the vibe on the sideline all night, man. They were real cohesive. Guys were together. Guys were engaged in the game. They were cheering for each other. It was just dude, they're they're in a good spot, I think, as a team. And that kind of stuff, again, you can't put any numbers around it. You, PFF can't do a study on it. But I'm just telling you, it's tangible and it's real. And they are they're tight. And it, I, that's only going to continue to grow throughout the season as they go through these battles together and kind of have war wounds together. So that, that was super encouraging. Um I do, man, I do want to talk about the O-line a little bit, though. Can we give them a little shine? I mean, look, they were the unit that you've been on for six months and that a lot of people said the, the variable for us in the game, the turning point is what does Georgia's O-line do against Clemson's all-world defensive line? And I'm going to tell you, I thought they equipped themselves pretty well. Now, we talked about this at the game. Justin Schaefer had a rough night. Brian Breesy ate his ass off for a little bit. But yep. – he did. I think Brian Brees is going to eat a lot of people up. So I'm going to give him some grace on that. But Jamari, I thought, played really well. He got it on the edge a couple times on some of those toss sweeps and just dominated some edge players, which was awesome to see. I thought, you know, I thought SVPG had a very good game. Hold on. This is breaking news, completely irrelevant to anything but Georgia Clemson. 
I just had a thing pop up that says that Trevor Lawrence has to don UGA colors because he lost a bet to one of his teammates. My guess is Terry Tyson Godwin. Gamble. Oh, it's Terry, Terry Godwin. Godwin. Yeah, oh, well, he's, okay. He's he's already he's already wearing the white uh, pullover hoodie that Uncle Chris has, <laughs> and Terry Godwin uh, Terry Godwin already put the picture on Instagram. It's on the Instagram right. stories for it Terry Godwin. It just popped up in my in my notifications. I was like, oh my god, oh, hold yeah. on, hold on. Oh yeah, and he was he was oh. there Saturday night. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Was in the house. That was loud as Clemson was all night. Was when they when they now showed Trevor on the big board. Honestly, yeah, that in the pick, that in the the JT pick, yeah. Sorry, so, yeah, man. completely tangent. So, but no, the offensive line and and, and Tate went down early, and you, know, early. you had to shift. You have to shift Erickson over. You put Erickson there, which that's not his natural position. He's a natural. He's a natural. He played center. well though. He played well at guard. He played well at guard. I mean, you know, it's not like the other the other D tackle is a slouch either. They they shift Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas, and Breezy all around on there. Those three five stars. Those yeah. are three five, those are three. Now Xavier Thomas is coming off of a, a rough year where he had missed most of it due to COVID. He lost a lot of weight, but those are still huge talented defensive linemen that he went against. Well, so look, I'm very curious JT, to see how the offensive line is going to shake, shake out next year because Tate's out for the year. Or next week, because Tate's up here. I think JT got a lot of flack for not pushing vertical and not doing stuff. We were saying the same thing. But the flip side of that is, what, they only took one sack all night? One sack. Yeah, one sack. So he was getting the ball out. He was eliminating negative plays, which there were really not many of at all. Um, I don't know, man. I just – I'm not – doom and gloom about the offense i i take it for what it is they played an excellent defense that was bringing back not just 11 guys but 11 guys with a lot of starts like so why can't you just give credit where credit's due and just be exuberant about the fact that you just opened the season on a neutral site where you were a three-point dog against the number three team in the country and set yourself up for a magical year and i'm just going to tell you this we had a phenomenal walk post game from our seats out of the stadium down the concourse that was filled with dogs fans just serenading each other with UGA UGA and then rotating it with who's that coming down the track I mean dude it was freaking electric and it was literally the entire walk down the concourse so I say all that to say Boy, did it remind me a lot of South Bend in 2017. That's what the post-game atmosphere felt like. That's what really the end game felt like, that you were getting a real peek at what the team was going to be in a high-pressure situation in a national primetime environment. And then fans kind of starting to go, wait a minute, something might be happening here. Like, this was special. And that's the feeling I had walking out of that stadium Saturday night. I mean, did you get – Get that on your insides when we were walking out. It was amazing. I, I took a video of as best you can when you're, you know, shoulder to shoulder crunched in with all those people. But I, that was one of the highlights of of the before and after for me was the 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 electricity within the crowd, yeah. and just you know there was a lot of beverages, adult beverages consumed in that crowd. But yeah, everybody sure. feeling the elation in in that moment was just yeah. awesome. And I mean, we've been talking about how special we think this team is since, I don't know what February. Yeah. So it, it just re it just confirmed more of what we think. And if the, if the crowd can, you know, get the whole, you know, Oh, here we go again, mentality out that, you know, Georgia fans typically, you know, have, I, I think that 
this could be really special. So you got me the picture from the Notre Dame game of Terry one hand in it, which is like one of my favorite pictures of all time. Yep. There's a couple pictures I'd like to have from this game. One is, and I haven't seen it yet from the vantage point I'd like, I would love to see all the different vantage point photos of Kirby sprinting over, jumping up on the benches on the Georgia sideline and giving the hearty visor salute to the Georgia faithful on the Georgia side of the field. Like I would love to have that picture from an angle where you can kind of see his stature, but then also see what he's looking at. Does that make sense? The fans. Yeah. What he's looking at. Yeah. So I yeah. love a picture like that. And then, man, I would love to have a picture of either Chris Smith at the mesh point where he's right underneath Justin Ross picking the ball or when he's dashing towards the end zone with his convoy behind him. Like I, something like that. Cause man, that moment was just iconic. I mean, it is the reason why my voice is the way it is because. I lost my collective shit for a solid five minutes, like just went absolutely crazy. I probably yelled, give him the pads like 30 times in a row. <laughs> took him a bit too. I was kind of shocked. It, did. it took him a it bit. Did. They were trying to get him to him. And then he finally put him on and the whole place went crazy. Um, so yeah, that was. There's man, one thing that's awesome. missed in that pick six. And I didn't notice it until I saw the replay to this morning, actually. Keeley, who was to the left of him on that play, ended up coming down, I guess, with the intent to help block and was good 15 yards behind him and almost caught him. Holy hellfire. How fast is he? He's he's, he's freakish, man. And he looks real. Like seeing him field level was, dude, he is, he's an NFL draft pick. Like he stays healthy. He is a first round NFL draft pick. And I think he'll get there, man. He looked real on, um, he looked super real on I th- I thought all night, like the way he matched up and all that stuff, like it was great. So um yeah, I that roster is just so so loaded. So we have to give another shout out to the Georgia Bulldog Faithful Twitter that was just A plus Sunday morning. Oh the my two god. That's, the two that stand out in particular. I got up and went to the bathroom this morning. I now have more rushing yards than Clemson. Yes, that was that was excellent. And, and football is a game of inches. Clemson, Clemson rushed 72, for 72 inches versus Georgia. 72 inches. That was my <laughs> all-time favorite. I mean, we all laughed out loud. Uh, yeah, that was uh that was that was good work. Real good work. Um uh, well, good, dude, job, so, dogs. good job, dogs. Good job. Staying on the vein of appreciating Georgia, Georgia showed once again that nobody travels better than the dogs. Nobody. Like, nobody. When they dim, when they dim the lights before the fourth quarter started, and yeah. all those all those phone flashlights were engaged. I, I mean, there were way more. There was way more phone flashlight volume than I anticipated in that stadium. Yeah. When it, from our, I mean, our sideline was definitely. M- 85% Georgia. But when you're looking yeah. at the other side, you know, you can't really tell because it's first of all, it's across the damn field, but orange and red kind of can blend together a little bit. So it looked like it was majority orange over there. But then when the yeah. lights came on, it was like, oh, okay, you know, this is not 50-50 like we thought. We definitely had more fans there. 
Yeah, it was it was a lot of fans. It was loud. It was loud all weekend. I thought it it felt like there was more Georgia fans in town. I mean, you know, obviously you're kind of looking for it a little bit, but well, dude, we went to game day. Let's talk about game day a little bit. I yep. felt like there was more Georgia fans in attendance at game day than Clemson fans. It felt more red and black than it did orange that day. I'd and say probably just, two to one. At game let's day. just say two. How awesome was Bearden Park as a host for that? Like how awesome. cool was that spot? Absolutely yeah. awesome. Yeah, like super centrally located right outside of Truist Field, which is where the Knights play. And then it was what, two and a half blocks from the stadium. So like it yeah, was essentially right like the epicenter of college football in Charlotte for those five, six hours that people were out there milling around. Um, and they did some cool tie-ins, I thought, to the local community, having the college game day race car, like being in Charlotte. Like I thought that, yeah. that was a, a cool nod. Um, and then we did the thing where you could do the QR code and then you take the QR code and they had a bunch of lockers and you give them the QR code and one of the lockers opens and they had college game day swag and, Uncle Chris got the college game. Uncle day. Chris got the best. Yeah. He sure did. He got the college game day gloves with the tackified leather on the back. I mean, they were, those things were legit. We once again did not get there early enough to get us the college game day hard hat. Damn it. But we were there, dude. I, I was very impressed well, with how early we got there. We were there by what, 725? Yes. I mean, yeah. Our, our grand total of sleep for the weekend was, was not much. Not much. <laughs> no, it was for three was days. A, it was not a strong performance sleep-wise for the weekend, but I think that's to be no. anticipated a little bit. No, it was not good. That's exciting. But, yeah, it was a cool event, man. It was cool seeing the Spike Squad out representing. We love what they do. Um, Harry Dog was all over the place. Georgia cheerleaders were out. Um, it, was, it was a really great environment. Um, like you had said, we saw Kane Brown on the field, who was the guest picker that day. And, man, I, I just want to say, like, I don't, you know, regardless of what you think of his music, I mean, I, I love his music. I enjoy it. But we met him on the field. He couldn't have been more gracious, like super nice guy and loves the dogs. And, um, yeah, it made me like an even bigger fan of how he is. So uh, it's just just awesome. So that was cool to kind of kind of see him down. The field. It was bigger than I thought he was going to be. He's probably yeah. like six, six, one or six, two. Yeah, easy. Yeah, he was he was bigger than I thought he was going to be. So that was cool. I, I also want to talk about at our tailgate, we had um, a family friend let us use their RV for the weekend. So we had a nice kind of tailgate setup. And I had met some folks at the Charleston alumni group event, um, Brandon and Libba, and they came to our tailgate and brought some friends with them who we also got to meet and really enjoyed hanging out with. So just want to thank them for coming. That was a lot of fun. They certainly didn't have to come spend part of their day with us. So, man, we, we appreciate that. That's what we love about this is kind of having a community of Georgia folks to share all this with. So thank you to Brandon and Libba for coming. We appreciate y'all coming to hang out and for bringing so much fun and energy. And, um, yeah, man, I, it was just a, it really was just a great day. Like I think everybody, like not just us, but Georgia fans, Clemson fans, college football fans in general have been starving for this and yearning for this, this opportunity to have, a real quote unquote college football weekend again. And this was it, man. College football was back and it was just made you feel good. Kind of walking a little lighter. Like it just, the world felt a little less heavy this past weekend. And um, obviously it feels even lighter because the dogs won. And so it kind of sets us up 
And I, let's talk about this a little bit. Where do you see the pothole in the schedule? Because I don't see one. I am well, after what I saw Saturday at the three thirty window, and then what we saw Saturday night. If Georgia and Alabama don't see each other first week in December in Atlanta, both sitting at twelve and zero, I will be surprised. Something will have happened injury wise to prevent that from happening. But if they stay quasi on kilter from a health perspective, it is going to be a behemoth matchup at the Bends come December. Do you disagree? Yeah. Based on what you saw, no, this I mean, it, it. I can't even. I mean, it would have to be a major injury. Like, I mean, we're talking like. Bryce Young or JT Daniels would have to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the, really the only thing I can think of for that, for that situation not to happen. And then I'm still not a hundred percent sure that they don't both make it. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't see, I mean, maybe A&M with Bama and that's if Bryce Young isn't, isn't healthy. That's, that's where I'm going with that. But on Georgia's yeah. schedule, I, I don't see Georgia not being able to win all their games with, without JT. I mean, I hope JT stays healthy, obviously, but, I could see them winning with a backup quarterback. I just don't see – I mean, Florida's quarterback situation is an absolute disaster right now. Like, they no did, matter they what, did, Florida fans – They did not that, look impressive. They did not look No, good. if you think that that situation is is good with Emory Jones right now, if he threw two picks against FAU, and, you know, you basically the other guy, Richardson's a running back. I mean, that's what he is. He was three of eight or four of eight. Four, he was 50% or less of completion percentage. So, against a, a mediocre team. I mean, unless yeah. he develops – one of them develops a lot during the season, I just don't see it. Yeah, I and look, I've been very clear about how I feel about Florida and, and what they're shaping up to be. I just – we're going to dump truck them, and I think we're going to dump truck the rest of our schedule. So UAB is next up, so we're on to UAB. It's officially – we can revel in Clemson a little bit, but we are on to UAB, uh, home opener. Also uh, – Lest we forget, is the 20th anniversary of September 11th on Saturday. So uh, even while you're exultant and exuberant in the um, space of college football and enjoying that Saturday, please take a minute Saturday and remember that day and remember all the folks that we lost and um, just kind of take some time for that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be awesome. Between the hedges, going to be full capacity. I'm sure the classic city is going to be alive. I can't wait to see all the the videos and pictures. We will not be in attendance next weekend, but um, I am fired up to see kind of all the, the, the footage come out of it. I'm excited for that three 30 kick against UAB. What we're, and we'll talk about this in our preview. We're having a preview episode this week with our guy, Zach Tully from Augusta golf collective. Damn good dog. He's gonna come hang out with us and help us preview UAB this week. So we'll have that coming up. Um, we're also going to do a giveaway with Zach where we're going to give away one of our hats, um, our custom ball markers for get you looking right for your golf game. And then Zach's going to give away one of his sweet looking shirts. So um, be on the lookout for that on social media. Um, and I saw the early spreads are looking like 26, 26 and a half for the dogs. Yeah. So just I, keep that, keep that in the back of your mind. I'm going to go on record right now. I hate the spread. Just, just, Pointing out, I absolutely hate the spread. UAB is not a cupcake game. Like They're that's not. a that's a talented football team. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think it is one where people are kind of expecting that it's just going to be some pushover. And look, Georgia's talent is much better than UAB. No, and they, no, it's they, it's not. This is not this is not going to be like a, a nickel state game from 2016. I'm not saying that, but this is not going to be. This is not going to be a walk. Yeah, this is not going to be a walk in the park. This is going to be a physical game. They're a physical or maybe, game. Or who knows? May, I, I am actually in some ways more interested to see next weekend 
than I am or maybe as interested to see this coming weekend as I was Saturday night, because you kind of know what the energy is going to be in a big time game against Clemson. And in some ways you can't gauge who you are because everybody's a little bit tight and you're, you're kind of not trying to make a big mistake. I think the UAB game is a test from what are we going to be when the lights aren't shining bright on us? Like, are we still going to come out and hold ourselves to the standard? Yeah. And so we'll see. We'll see what the offense looks like. We'll see if they open it up a little more. I think the running backs are going to have a really good day. I'm just going to say that. That's my gut on that going in. Um, and hopefully it's another week closer for Kiaris and Jermaine Burton. So hopefully they get some more run, and then maybe we see some more openings for guys like Marcus Roseby Jackson, um, maybe for Brock Bowers. I don't – from what we saw on the sideline, I don't think Darnell is going to be back. So – I don't know. Okay. We'll see. We'll see where it's going to go. But um, I'm excited to see what's going to happen in that game. We'll, we'll preview all that up and make some more picks. You got any kind of tally for how we looked last week pick-wise? Uh, no. I, other than I was right about Penn State and Florida State. That, that's really all I got to say to you. Other than that's, that, I have no idea. That's true. I'm just going to throw out there that I, I did pick Minnesota correctly. And you picked, and I picked FAU. And I picked Florida Atlantic. So I, that those two are those are the two that I know that are opposite of us. Other than that, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, we we got the dogs right. So yeah, we good. got the dogs right. So that's yeah. the important one. I mean, really, other than that, really, what else matters? So. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't. I'm sure we missed something, but I think we covered all the big stuff. And boy, am I still riding high from just a fantastic way to to open the season. And, and gosh, man, I I am. So ready to see what kind of magic is going to happen this fall. Can't wait. Can't wait. And uh, like we said, we're going to get our preview episode out here shortly for UAB. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Bark at us on social media. Let us know about your experiences in Charlotte. And uh, as always, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.